to our theme scripture for the month. Let's read it together because, and I want you to stand for this, and then we're going to keep standing for uh, first scripture, and then I'm going to let you sit down, and I'm going to read to you because I'm not, I may not talk to you very long, but I want you to get the word today, all right? Is that all right? Let's put the word of God in the atmosphere through whom also we have access. Stop right there. Say, I have access. Okay? Listen, God gave it to you. The world didn't. You have access. That means you can go in. It's time to go in. Stop tiptoeing around the veil and go beyond the veil. Let's go in. Have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Listen, you are not hopeless. You are full of hope. You are hopeful. And because you're hopeful, you can stand right there and rejoice in what you're hoping for. Amen. So you don't stand there and look at a situation that you have power to change. You can rejoice in the change that's waiting for a praise to get the rejoice to come in. Amen. Amen. You got to give it access. Hallelujah. Into this grace. Next month, I'm going to be teaching on grace. All month. Very powerful word. Very powerful thing that has been done through grace, right? Okay, listen. You have access by believing. Not the way you want to believe, but what the word says. If you believe that, listen, you have access to all that he has for you. He he owns everything. He's just waiting for you to believe him. And you can have it. Go ahead and shout, I believe. believe. All right, now turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, one verse. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, one verse. Philippians 4. Verse 4. You guys there? Father, let's pray. Father, we thank you for leading us in worship. And now, Lord God, you have brought us into the atmosphere where you dwell. Thank you for your presence. Now that we're in your presence, Lord, we confess that we don't have any wants. Because we know that you've already met every one of our needs. So, Lord, bring us so into you that we may be able to experience what is already done. Let your word come now like a two-edged sword. Cut us going in and cut us bringing out. That we may be carved and shaped into your righteousness. And we promise, Father, after all is said and done, that you'll be glorified. We, your body, will be edified. And we thank you, God. Now, Lord, we ask that you would take every thought captive. Bring us to a oneness. That we would have an ear to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And we declare that we are your church. So come now, Lord. And as I stand here, Lord, I... I know 
I'm not worthy. I'm not even capable. But I'm willing. And I submit my spirit to you, God. I ask that you would consecrate me as only you can, that I may be fit to be used as a vessel to proclaim your good news. Father, we love you and we thank you. So have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Verse number four said, Rejoice in the Lord. I got to say that again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, Rejoice. Amen. I want you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter number 6, verse number 1. And you may be seated because I'm going to read quite a few verses. Then I want to talk to you on three key points. Beginning with verse number 1 of the sixth chapter of 2 Samuel. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from the ark of, (coughs) bring up there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark on a, of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah, and Aho, Aho, the son of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadad, which was on the hill accompanying the ark of God. And Io went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of firwood, on the harps and on string instruments, on tambourines and on sistrong and on cymbal. They were bringing the presence of the Lord and they was having a party. Amen. And when they came to Nacom, the threshing floor, Uzzah put his hand out, <clears throat> either put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him there for the ark struck him there for his error and he died there by the ark of God and David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah and he called the name of that place Perez Uzzah to this day verse number nine David was afraid say he was afraid David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household because the presence of the Lord was in the house. 
Now it came, now it, now it was told, now it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought <clears throat> up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with, with gladness. Listen, he let somebody else have the ark because he was mad. Mm-hmm. Start giving away your blessings because you get mad. Isn't it something how you can get mad and let the presence of God leave? One minute you're a worshiper, somebody do something, all of a sudden you're saying something else with your mouth. <laughs> the ark left. Okay. So, so David went and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed into the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that they sacrificed the oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing the house was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sounds of the trumpet. Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, <clears throat> isn't that something? He was dancing and shouting and praising and they were blowing trumpets before the ark even arrived. Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michelle, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw the king, David, leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in the place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> I want to look back at the very first verse that we read out of Philippians. Um, chapter number four, verse number four, where it says rejoice in the Lord always again i say rejoice and just use for a topic rejoice always i want to talk to you just for a few moments on three three points that i want to bring out of david's life when he was rejoicing in the lord um, the bible talks about him rejoicing and coming out of his clothes he was leaping and dancing and twirling and he was given all that he got for the Lord. Um, three things I want to pull up, uh, extrapolate from that text. Number one, in order to rejoice in the Lord always, three things you're going to have to do. Number one, you're going to have to fear the Lord. When it says David was afraid. Number two, to stop worrying. Mm-hmm. Number one, fear the Lord. Number two, stop worrying. Tell your neighbor, don't worry. And number three, surrender. All right? So God says and three things. You're going to have to fear me. You're going to have to stop worrying. And then you're going to have to surrender. All right? In this particular text, David, David does these three things. But in order for David to do these three things, some things tragic have to happen in his life. And nobody likes tragedy. So when things happen according to your plan, you rejoice. Mm -hmm. You do. You plan for people to show up for your party and all the people show up and you're just so happy. You plan for people to like your cooking. And when they start telling you how good the food was, you rejoice. Mm -hmm. You plan for your kids to get good grades. And when they get good grades, you rejoice. You plan for them to find the, a good mate. And if they find a mate that don't fit what you like, you don't rejoice. But you complain about the thing that you don't like. 
And so we, we but if they pick the right one, you, you rejoice. And, and so we have become accustomed to rejoicing over what we like. And we even became so good at it that we rejoice over what we love. And so when you have a baby, you love your little baby. And you're rejoicing because you have a baby. And you dress the baby the way you want the baby to look. And if it's a girl, you have all the little pink. And you put the bows in. And you want to show everybody how much you're rejoicing over your child. But then at the same time, God gives you his love. And his love is greater than any love because you would not have got the child. You would not have been able to cook. You would not have had nothing to cook. You would not have had anything without God. And he has so much love that he gives you his love and he provided for you even before you loved him back. Therefore, it, be, it becomes a God thing. God did everything. And because of God, now you have gifted yourself and you can cook a couple of meals. You can wash a few clothes. You can do a little bit of work. You got a little bit of technology in your brain and some of you are more gifted and you're multi-talented with your A personality and you can go all over the place getting it done. And then you're really, really happy and pleased about the things that you accomplish. Breaking news, without God, you would not have accomplished Zero. So I want to pull everything back to the starting point and help you understand that it was not you anyway. It was God. Therefore, therefore, the writer tells us to rejoice always in the Lord, because if you think about God and his goodness, you can't help but rejoice. So then if we're supposed to rejoice, then you have to know and understand that the enemy is going to try to do things in your life to distract you from rejoicing because God loves when you rejoice over who he is. <clears throat> Therefore, God's character has never changed. Even though that you have had hardships in your life, it did not change who God is. God is still high and lifted up and above all things. God is still the creator of everything. And a matter of fact, everything belongs to God and nothing will happen unless God allows it to happen. That happens. So if you understand it's all about God, then you should rejoice in. Oh, I got two of you that are paying attention today. <laughs> so, so then, so then God becomes our Lord. And if he becomes our Lord, that means that he is in charge of our life. I want to tell you something. I know you could put two socks on and you could tell the difference in the color. But God, God can do everything. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference in the color of your socks. And so we don't get caught up in what we do. We get caught up in what he does. Man, I could stop right there, but I won't. David, David, listen, now David is one who God says, uh, God, God looks at David and, and brags on David. And, and David has a relationship with God. And David, when David was nothing but watch, a, a little boy watching over sheep, he was focused on God. So that he just blew kisses to God. He was worshiping God while he was watching over sheep. And while he was worshiping, he was rejoicing over who God was. His brothers were out serving and he was serving, watching over sheep, but he was a worshiper. His heart was rejoicing in who God was because he was rejoicing when a bear came. He had all power locked up in him because his heart was so fixed on God that God released power in him that he wrestled with a bear and killed it. It wasn't that David was big and strong and was in the gym pumping 400 pounds. It was that David was rejoicing in God when? Always. David was out to please God because God was pleasing him. The question becomes, has God stopped pleasing you? 
because you'll rejoice if he's pleasing you. Some of you stop rejoicing because you think your circumstance warrants more worship than God. But your circumstance will change on you. And sometimes you worship stuff you don't even like. You worship it. Oh, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. You worship in how good that situation is. So when the situation change. Now you don't have no worship left. Well, you shouldn't have been worshiping the situation in the first place. Sometimes we get caught up and tricked into worshiping a circumstance, a situation, something God has done. But if you sit back and look and know that nothing happens that happened unless God allowed it to happen, you won't worship this thing. You won't worship the stuff. You won't worship the situation. You'll turn your worship to God and begin to rejoice in what God is up to in your life. And when you rejoice in what God is up to, when whatever changes, it don't matter because God is still up to doing what he does. What does God I do good six days God spoke and he stepped back after he spoke and said oh it's good six days on that sixth day he said I'm I'm gonna stop speaking so much give me some dirt and he grabbed some dirt. He said, I'm not going to speak this time. He said, I'm so God, I don't even have to say nothing. <laughs> and when he breathed breath, breath, life came into man. He jumped back and said, Ooh, it's good. Both male and female, he created them on the sixth day. And it was good. It is something that we think that God would speak and breathe and create something that is good. And him being all powerful, allow good to turn out bad. Uh, Therefore, when things was trying to take you bad, God said, "Uh uh-uh, I still got to show up and make it good. Let me just tell you something. If it's going bad right now, you ought to start rejoicing. Because when you start rejoicing, good just has to show up. When you start rejoicing, good just happens. The, the, The issue, the issue, the issue is that we don't know how to rejoice. Uh, because the world taught you one way, but God's bringing you back to his way. Amen. So then, when it looks dead, you can rejoice life back into it. And if it wasn't meant to get up, you'll rejoice life back into you. (laughs) But one way or another, you're going to have to rejoice. Because rejoicing in the Lord is bringing his presence into your situation. And some of you have ran God out of your own house. When he saved you, you became the house of God. He dwells in you. And you are trying to run his presence out of you. Preacher, no, we don't. Yeah, you do. And let me tell you how. You complain about situations, you complain about people, you complain about stuff, you complain about what he took from you. Let him have it. It was his anyway. The earth is and the fullness thereof. And so the enemy When something doesn't go your way, the enemy quickly comes into your head. Can I talk to you for a minute? Because I heard you singing, he's a way maker. I heard you singing, he's a mind regulator. Well, this word is coming to regulate your mind. 
because that joker has been going crazy. And God said, I didn't create your mind to be crazy. I created your mind to be good. In order for your mind to be good, you're going to have to hear the good news that he has for your mind today. So he he shows us. He shows us through David encounter where David is all excited about bringing the presence of God back to Judah. He's excited. How many of you ever get excited before? How, how many of you been excited about being in the house of God? You know, when I first got saved, I said, ooh, we, God was with me when I was sick. When I was serving Satan, God was still with me. Now that I'm serving him, I don't have no more problem. Breaking news. When you're serving God, stuff still happens. He reigns on the just and the unjust. David was bringing the ark back. There was a problem, though. The ark was already determined by God that the ark had to be transported a certain way. You can't transport God any old kind of way. I got I got to pause right there and let you know you can't claim that you are a Christian and you serve the Lord and be out cussing a sailor Monday through Friday and trying to creep your way in the church and try to say you a worshiper. You can't transport God in a dirty vessel and expect good to happen for you. God will clean up what is wrong no matter how no matter how you pretend. David, David knew the order. David knew that only certain people can touch the ark. But he said, well, well, now I ain't got a little wise. Now I can do it my way. That's how so, sometimes we get. We think we know two or three scriptures. All right, come on. Now, all of a sudden, we want to define who God is. Right. And then we try to judge. And, and David, David said, OK, well, we're going to transport the ark the easy way. He got a, a, a oxen and, and started letting the people tell, oh, yeah, we could put it on this brand new cart. So a lot of things think we changed because we got some brand new vehicle. <laughs> yeah, you got it popping now. <laughs> yeah, you got it popping so much you think you can miss church now. Okay, you miss a, you, listen, you, yeah, you keep missing. You keep missing this word. The God will let a few witches and warlocks come your way. You'll be here back again. Trust me. God's going to have his way with you because you belong to him. And nobody's going to transport you except for him. If you understand that you are the presence of God. Come on. If God dwells in you, then you ought to give him a praise right about now for dwelling in you. Even when you didn't want to dwell in him. David was tripping. The brother had went from being a shepherd boy to being king. And he tripped. Got caught up in himself. I'm going to do a new thing, a new way. God said, it's going to be my way. Well, no way. David's, David's trying to get it all together. You know how it is. You love the Lord, but you want to love him the way you want to love him. The devil is a lie. He's been trying to trick you and tell you, oh, you don't got to do this and, uh, and you don't got to do that. Since when did you read in the word that the devil has rights to tell you anything once you become a child of God? God said that he does all things through you. He owns you. You are his vessel. You are his chosen person. And if you want to find out if you need to be in the house of God serving him or not, read what the word said. The word says serve the Lord. The word says meditate on him day and night. The word says forsake not the fellowship of the believers. The word. Oh, goodness. The word. 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 
David, he, he was caught up in him. See, I get it. Because we could get so busy that we think we're doing for God. But the truth is, if he's not first, you're doing for you. Just tap your neighbor, follow his instruction. He, 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 he speaks to David. David, David see, see, now here, here, here's what happened. You get caught pleasing you. When you're pleasing you, the enemy is whispering to you. He is luring you further away from God. God is not going to let you get away. But the enemy is luring you away. And then something hits your life, which is catastrophic for you. David was cool. King, he was whooping everybody. Stuff was popping. David was rolling. Then he went to move the ark. And the Bible says, the ox stumbled with the new cart. His friend Uzzah reached out and stopped the ark from falling. I would have thought that was cool, God. And God killed him for touching it. And David became mad at God. But it wasn't God's fault. God said, if you follow my instructions, then people you love won't get hurt. Oh, goodness. I, I, I want to release this word into the atmosphere. If you're start ha- start tired of having sorrowful parties about things happening in your life, follow God's instructions and he will stop. The enemy from allowing stuff to happen to your loved one. If you won't do it for you, will you be obedient enough for them? David, the Bible said at that moment, he became afraid. That moment, David became Afraid. See, there's nothing wrong with fearing God. People say, you shouldn't be afraid of God. Yeah, you should. You should be afraid to disappoint him. Because if you disappoint God, God, listen, God, listen, God has consequences. I know he's loving. He's going to love you. I love my children while I was raising them. I got two more little ones. I love them. But let them do something that causes them to get in danger. I love them enough that I will spare not that rod. Everybody know when King, listen, everybody know when Mufasa come into the house. I don't even got to pull out the belt. I can talk about the belt. God says, I'm not pulling out the belt. I'm sending my man Felix to talk about the belt today so that I can get you right and I don't have to bring out the belt. Move your hand. Uh. (laughs) David, he he is so he's so hurt. That fear comes in. He, 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 uh, Sister Keely, can you put Proverbs uh, 9 and 10 up there? I think it's 9 and 10. If not, we'll go somewhere else. But he, he was so afraid. He, the Bible says fear. Now, now he knows that I can't play with God. I got to do things. God, now, 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 what does verse 10 say? Oh, 
oh, wait a minute. So you don't have no wisdom if you don't have no fear. If you don't have no fear, you lack wisdom. Therefore, you make bad choices. And because you don't fear God, you don't fear the consequence. And sometimes God will allow you to mess up so that he could bless up. And sometimes, listen, we get caught up in the mess up, but I want to talk to all the people who's messed up before. God didn't allow you to mess up so he could leave you messed up. He allowed you to mess up so that he could show himself to be the God that blesses you up in spite of you. God will lift you up. God is faithful. But he causes you to fear him. Now, here's where the wisdom is. The wisdom is that you won't do that again. I'll bet you that one. When the fear of God comes upon you, you might mess up and do one thing wrong. But that one that brought the fear on, I guarantee you, you ain't doing that one again. That's the wisdom. And it says, the knowledge of the Holy One, the knowledge of Christ, is the understanding. But God says, the first thing we're going to have to do, we're going to have to fear him. Uh, listen, be afraid to disappoint him. So that when your friends come and offer you a toke, and they say, it's cool, man. You say, uh-uh. It's cool for you, but I'm afraid because <laughs> I know better. Amen. See, see that, that's what fear is. Fear is you, you, you won't do what you know you're not supposed to do because you already know you're going get, to get in trouble. I mean, t- this morning, this morning, how many of you shout grace? grace? How many of you done stuff and didn't get called? Don't, don't raise your hand. Just, just wink at me. And because you didn't get caught, you did it again. So, so this morning, I, I, the Holy Spirit says, get up and go to the back. I got up and I went to the back. And as I was going to the back, there's a back door back there. And Pastor Bill's not here. So security wasn't here. So the little kids had went out the back door, out the exit. And as I was coming back there into something, that they just so happened to be coming in. And I said, hey, who's out there with you? Nobody. Well, what are you doing out there? My son said, oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> Little Cam said, we didn't got caught. <laughs> he said, and, my, and then my daughter said, we won't do this again. In other words, we can't get away with too much around here. Because my dad always seemed to catch us. And what am I telling you? You can't get away with too much. Because your daddy, he sees everything. The beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord because he sees everything. So David, he, he, he's so afraid. Now, fear, now, now, he was fearing God, but he didn't have it in perspective. He was afraid of the power of God. So he thought, let me get the ark away from me. Have you ever done, has anything so bad ever happened that you blame God? Yeah, see, see, I, I can tell you the truth. Some stuff has happened in my life, and I know God can do anything. And some stuff has happened in my life, and I look at God and say, no, nah, you tripping, man. You could have stopped that. See, but I didn't go tell people. I told him. Because he know how to take what I got to say. He understands feelings. See, people don't understand you. They'll say they do. But they don't know the depths of your heart. Only God knows the depths of your heart. 
And so when you go to God and tell God how mad you are, God can handle and he will give you the wisdom to let you know that I'm going to work this out for you too. Just hang on to me for a little while. This going to look way better than it's ever looked if you can just hold on and trust me. I want to talk to the people who are ready to give God a praise on credit that is not all the way back, but you know it's coming back, that God is working it all for his good. Number two, number two, number two. We've got three, two more points. Number two, number two, he says, he says, he says, don't worry, because David was so concerned about what had happened to his friend that he became consumed and told the ark, don't come up in here. He took the ark over to Obed-Edom's house. I bet you Obed-Edom is still shouting over that Amen. blessing. And he left it. And he stayed right where he was, concerned about what had already happened. God is faithful. See, and I love the story because the greatest pain that we ever experience is losing a loved one. That's great pain. But it's also great promise. David was so caught up, he began to worry himself. Can you imagine how we do? Oh, and just take all the weight. Oh, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through that? Those emotions. But God has gotten you through everything. And he's not going to put more on you than you can bear. Matthew 6, 25, 26 and 27. I want to just give you this because I want to arrest that spirit of worry. Because worrying has got you zero. If you stop worrying and start worshiping, it changes the game. The enemy cannot stand worship. So it says, therefore, I say to you, Jesus, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what? Who does your life belong to? If God, if you're in God's hand, is there any better hands to be in? Can you rejoice over just being in the hands of the Lord? He says what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not life more than, it's not life more than the body, more than clothing. We put a whole lot of concern in what we put on. You spend, I ain't going to say, I know y'all be spending some time picking out your fits. This go with that, that go with this. Oh, yeah, I got to get the right shoes. <laughs> yeah, hairstyle got to be, y'all, y'all, but did you spend that much time getting the inside of you ready? I got to get ready to get in the house and just throw your worship music on. Now, I'm not trying to tell you don't pick a nice fit and look nice. No, you do all that. But worship, take some time for the inner you. Don't, don't wait for church. Don't wait to get here to get on fire. Come on fire and start one. Verse 27. Look, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor they reap nor gather into barn, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Question. Do you feel that you're valuable to God? If you're valuable to God, he cares about your situation. As a matter of fact, he allowed what is happening in your life to happen. Why, God? He will answer that later. 
But while you're where you are, can you just rejoice that you still can rejoice in him? See, if you still have a moment to rejoice, don't waste that on worrying. Why? Verse 27 tells you. Let's go. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubic to his statue? In other words, when you worry, did it help you? Absolutely not. But when you worship, did it help you? Let me tell you something about worship. You guys was in here worshiping. I seen problems just floating away. I seen people that were free. I seen stuff that had bothered you when you walked in here. It wasn't bothering you then. Why? Because you were caught up in the thrills of worship. When you're caught up in the thrills of worship, that releases power to change you. Not only is it changing you, the thing that you're worried about, if you rejoice in God, it will go fix the thing that you were worried about and bring the thing. Oh, goodness. Didn't bring the thing back to you. Oh, oh God, I wish you would see it as I see it. So then. How do I stop worrying? Worrying isn't an emotional thing that happens in your soulish realm of your mind. So you have to change your mind. That's why when you're singing praises to God, you're singing it with your mouth. But your mind is being regulated by what you say. Therefore, you got to be careful what you say. If you begin to speak positive about your situation, listen, there's some stuff you say, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. End it with this. But God does. And when you put God in it, it changes every that is the access that you get when you put God in it to stop you from worrying. Can God fix anything? Has he proven it? Just shout, I won't worry. The third thing, the third thing, the third thing. David, David was so worried, but the word came. The Bible says, word came to David. David, you know the ark that you sent over to Obed-Edom? Now this, get, get there. This joker was tripping for three months. Some of you didn't trip longer than that. <laughs> but listen. Whatever you've been tripping on, let it go. He said, said, that word came to him. He said, you know what? You know that ark, the presence of God, that you left at Obed-Eden's house? Man, they so blessed over there. Everything they do is blessed. David said, huh? Isn't it somehow sometimes you get word that just changes you? Oh, I'm not stuck on stooping no more. I'm going to go take back. Now, get this. I thought about that in the spirit realm. David, if I was David, this is what I would have been doing. If I, I, I think about it, because, see, most of you won't admit you're human, but I'm human. Some stuff God ha- has allowed in my life. I'm like, God, how did you even do something like this? And see, see, David was probably telling God, why you kill my friend? You could have at least just bruised his knee or something, but you're going to kill. That's my friend. You say you, that, I mean, he's caught up in the situation, complaining. He, he became a chronic complainer. He was complaining about his situation. That's the opposite of worship. Since when will complaining help you? If you don't complain, then you give access to God to come in and fix it. But the moment you start complaining, you transpose yourself into belonging to yourself. And God cannot stand complaining. Therefore, he has to leave the building. And while you're complaining over here, he will go bless Obed-Edom's house. So that when you look over there at Obed-Edom, and say, no, I'm a real child of God. How can you bless them? Then you say, no, I'm taking back who I am. I'm no longer going to be a complainer. I'm a true worshiper. And when you start worshiping God, it changes everything. 
David brought worship back to the house. I'm so glad worship is in the house. Sometimes you sit back and don't want to worship. But I want to tell you today, God says, I want all your worship. See, that's why the praise team had to get these things up here. I don't know what they call it. I forgot. But those speakers, because I used to be on the front floor throwing all of this stuff off because I'd be singing out of tune. Because I don't care about what it sounds like to the people. I care what it sounds like to God. Is there anybody in here that wants to release a crazy praise, an undignified praise unto the Lord? I can't sing like Charlie, but I know I can say, how great is my God. Sing with me, how great is our God. I want to say how great, how great is our God. Hallelujah. Third thing, third thing, three things. David, David. He comes, he brings worship back in the house. It don't matter what's wrong, but if you could get just one other person to come into agreement with you and just worship, I already know it's going to work out. Amen. See, see if, if, do I have any believers in here? Amen. I'm joining my faith. That's why I'm, I, I get happy when people come to me with problems. I do. And they say, why are you smiling? I said, because I just saw the outcome. Because I'm in agreement <laughs> with the outcome. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how it got in, but I know how it's going out. <laughs> and, so, and, so, and so David, David, he, he comes to a point of surrendering. If you don't surrender, then you never give God access. And see, sometimes it's you. You've been blaming it and they. But it's you. God says, I want you. And so when David brings back, he brings back the ark. He's bringing it back. Say it says it's on the way. It's on the way. David surrendered and said, This is about you, God. You're in charge of my situation. You is in charge of my friends. I know this is all about you. You got a plan. Your plan is perfect, God. I'm sticking to your plan. So he said, David surrendered himself, his feelings. He let them go. The devil tells you to hang on to your bad feelings. He tells you this is who you are. That's not who you are. He's trying to confuse you. That's why he wants you to worry, because confusion comes through worrying. Jesus was on the cross. And in his humanness, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's his humanness. And we cry like that. But he had a transformation from God. The word hit him. And it changed. And his identity came back. And the next words he spoke were different. Because he said, Father, I surrender. This is what he said. Father, unto your hand. I give it all. That's what I want to know. Who's ready to let go of everything today so that you can rejoice always? Ninety-nine percent of you okay, but but get this: He surrendered. Jesus surrendered before the final victory came. David was bringing back the ark. The Bible says that when they started bringing back the presence of the Lord, they took six steps 
the first day of God's creation, the second day of God's creation, the third day of God's creation. See, we'd be focused on the day of completion. That's the problem. You waiting to rejoice when God finishes the work. But David didn't wait for the seventh. He only got six steps in because I looked at the six steps and six represents the creation of man and man's imperfections. On the seventh day, it became about God because he sat on the throne and he presented himself in rest. What am I saying? God says he's waiting for you to get to the sixth step so you can surrender it all to him and he can have his way. That's why when David took six steps, the Bible says the ark hadn't come back yet. But David went into rejoicing like an undignified person. We can't be cute when we rejoice before the Lord. You got to give God all that you got. You know it's something how we will get up there uh, on the praise team. Last week we came in, praise team was lighting it up in here. I came in and I was having me a good time. I, I was like, okay, guy, you didn't close up the club and gave me a new club. <laughs> Sunday morning club. And so I began to praise God and give I, I told you I was so tired. After praising him, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to preach. How many of you will give God a praise like that? Amen. You don't need to come out your clothes. Come out your clothes spiritually. Hallelujah. You got on all this restricted dignity wear. That's why, we, you know, we, we have dress down Sunday on third Sunday. I said dress down every Sunday. However, you feel free to worship because don't be coming in here all restricted. If you if you restricted, then you can't give God your all. You got to give give God one of those rejoice and praise like Hannah. Hannah was Hannah was believing for a son. Hannah prayed so hard that the Bible said the priest thought she was drunk. When you look, when you're willing to look like you drunk for God, you're doing something. You got drunk in the club. At least you could get drunk in the spirit at the church house and just surrender it all to God. The Bible said he got undignified for God. Somebody told me, he said, why you praise like that? I said, why not? He said, how you get that way? I said, I just can't help it. Because it don't have nothing to do with me. So I can't take no credit for it. I'm crazy about Jesus. Because I know he's crazy about me. And so no matter what happens in my life, I know who's in charge of my life. And if I can't praise you while I'm hurting, let me lay my head up on your breast. Until you bring the praise back up out of me. I want to hear your heartbeat, Jesus. Because I can rejoice to the heartbeat of Jesus. Is there anybody in here that love with Jesus that could just rejoice that they could hear the very heartbeat that held you together when you couldn't hold yourself together? Thank you, Lord. God wants you. To rejoice in him. Situations are going to happen in your life. But because you belong to him, every situation that looks bad is going to work out for your good. Get that right now. Write that down in your notes. Tear that off. Put it in your pocket. And don't say, oh, so-and-so should have been here. No, this word is for you. So the next thing that happens in your life that looks all bad, pull it out. 
and start rejoicing because you know he's working it out for your good.